Hello to everybody who bumps that tip up to 25%. It's beautiful, anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard here. Welcome, as always, to Beautiful Anonymous. I always try to reiterate at the top of the show that I just feel lucky. feel lucky I get to do this, that I get to talk to everybody out there. And I hope you keep calling. I'll say it a million times. I want to keep this show going until everybody who wants to be on it has a chance to be on it. I think that's a good life goal. I hope I, uh, I, hope I accomplish it before I, before I split someday, many, many, many years from now. Thank you to everybody who has been watching the beautiful Anonymous TV show. It's on Topic. If you want more info, you can go to Topic.com. I like it. I think it's a loose yet faithful interpretation of the show. And uh, I feel it feels weird to watch these videos of myself just sitting on a microphone. And then every once in a while, it just cuts to something visual. But uh, I hope you dig it. It's at topic.com. Thanks again. We've got a phone call coming up that is a really meaningful one to me. We, we recorded this one a long while ago. And I've thought about it ever since. I really hope our caller's doing well. There's a topic we have all heard about. It's something that I think is kind of uh, kept in the shadows of society. We don't like to talk about it too much. And especially the past year or so, I think more and more people have been facing this. It's homelessness. Our caller was unhoused for a long time. Lived a reality that, you know, is what happens in real life, which is not always the image that you see of like, oh, here's a movie set in New York City with a person sitting on a corner. There's all sorts of ways that people survive and get by and retain dignity and care about themselves and the people that they love. It's not a simple thing. It's not something that can be boiled down into a caricature. And our caller has seen it from the inside. And I think it is so noble to step up and describe that experience in a very real way. And I, uh, I like that our caller during the call seemed to be headed in a, in a direction where there was more stability. I hope that has continued since we've spoken. And I hope all of you listen and understand a little bit more about, about something that I don't think we talk about enough. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello, Chris? Hi. Hi. How's it going? Um, pretty good. Taking my wife to work. So you taking your wife to work? Yes. Cool. I wasn't sure if you said taking my life to work, and I was about to say that sounds fast. What could that mean? But th- this is much makes much much more sense. Taking your wife to work. Okay, a yeah. human <laughs> being. A human being. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So oh. I've been trying to get through for years now, so I'm kind of excited. So give me just a second to calm down. Okay. <laughs> My take, wife is laughing at me right now. <laughs> let's take some deep breaths here. Let's take some deep breaths and just chill. Just chill. I'm glad we're on the phone today. All right. So where to start? Um, let's start with, obviously, I'm gay. Um, married to a woman 
and I left the South, the country, redneck area, to move to be myself, which is where I met my wife, and it has just been a uphill battle since then in life, because nothing seems to go right. What's that mean? I thought you're supposed to say, you know, you 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 figure out how to be yourself, you meet your wife, and then it's happily ever after. You're saying that was the starting point of a, a lot of tough stuff? That was the starting point. I think, uh, well, I think before that is most of my life I'd like to forget, honestly. Um, I, um, I grew up, as I said, in the South, um, very conservative area um my whole life i was pretty much you know told that gay is wrong so i hid myself a lot um and then luckily i moved to a fairly liberal city in the south so discovering myself got the opportunity to leave and i was like bouncing i'm out of here um then I moved, still in the South, kind of, but definitely in, like, a good, big, accepting city. So, um, met my wife. Things were amazing. Steady for a while, and then I lost my job. And then she was accused of stealing a ton of money from her job. So, we're going through that lawsuit battle. But oh, wow. uh, in the process of that, it made her lose her job. And then we ended up homeless, and we spent the last year living in hotels and December 1st so today's the 19th and December 1st we have a house to move into I'm so excited best Christmas present ever wow so wait you're moving in December 1st December 1st yes so you're are you currently still technically homeless yes we still live in a hotel right now wow wow I'm so I mean it's more challenging than living in one room with your wife for a year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, as a, I don't think my wife or I would, would sign up for that on our end either. That I'm really sorry that you're dealing with all that, but I'm also really thankful that there's an end in sight. So you're called, like a week and a half, yes. two weeks out from having a house. Yes. I have a countdown on my phone that we look at every single day. <laughs> now, I'm going to make an assumption here, but if you're, you know, if you're in financial straits, and you're living in a hotel. By definition, this can't be a hotel that's like a ritzy couple hundred bucks a night, right? Not at all. Um, it's very low class. We pay $330 a week now that we don't have to pay taxes. After you live in a hotel for like three months, I think it is, you don't have to pay taxes anymore. So, so is this is like a monthly hotel. Is this kind of like that movie, The Florida Project? Willem Dafoe's in it. It's about a bunch of kids. Of course, in Florida. What's that? Of course, in Florida. That's actually where I moved from. I'm originally from Florida. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I'll reserve more. So I feel like I can safely say that. So this is not just your uh, your average Florida pot shot. You are actually a former resident. This is based on actual yeah. personal experience. Okay. That's really hard. That's really hard. And remind me, you may have said, how long have you been? In this situation? Um, we moved into the hotel first on December 12th. So we are going to be almost a year. Whew. Whew. 
Well, we did, no, hold on. We did temporarily, I think, two months attempt to stay with her mom. That, like, we stayed in the hotel for, like, four months. We attempted to stay with her mom for a month or two, and that couldn't happen, unfortunately. Her mom drank a lot. Her mom is pretty narcissistic. She's going to give me a bad look right now, but <laughs> it caused more trouble than worse. I grew up, I grew up with an abusive father, physically and verbally, so living with her mom did nothing but just set me back daily. When COVID hit, and she's a school nurse, so they were like, cool, they're closed. I literally sat on the bed and cried, and that's when we were like, I would rather go back to a hotel than live in this tiny apartment with your mother. So, <laughs> back to the hotel we went. Wow. And... You mentioned it was $330 a month. Um, a week. A week. a week. Oh, right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. A week. I'm doing some math in my head, and I'm terrible at math, but I do wonder that it sounds like you're paying enough money monthly then that there's no room to go get an apartment um, for that budget. So, bittersweet story. Um, you're right. It made it impossible almost. Um, but my I don't my mom I, I called him my stepdad um anyways he uh he passed from COVID unfortunately and my mom inherited all of his funds it wasn't that much but what he did have my mom inherited everything so my mom was like I'm sending you money I want you out of the hotel you know this is terrible money I'd rather not have it but I want you to have a place so that once we finally got that and then um someone that we had to find a private renter who was willing to work with us because you know, we've gotten evicted um that that still the deal and now we're all good from here it's still it's bittersweet money though I'd rather have not had it I'd almost rather keep living in the hotel but here we are and your wife has a new job because you're driving her to her job. Yes. Um, she did, she got a job. She was out, I think, for like two or three months. And uh, a friend was a manager of a store and was able to get her a job where she's worked for a little while. And then now she actually got a better job about a month ago. So yeah, about a month and a half, month ago. So things are looking up. Yes, very much so. I'm almost every day I like ask myself like what's about to happen because it's almost like things are too good to be true right now. Did you um here's a weird question because I'll just ask it. When you wind up in a situation where you spend almost a year living in a hotel, which is technically homeless and, and on the brink of a the right, like you're keeping your head above water if you're in that situation. Did you ever see yourself winding up in a situation like this? And because I have to imagine nobody does, and and I have to wonder what it's like when you do. Like, what are those first nights in that hotel like? Um, it was such you know, last year itself was just such a crazy year for us that it was it. As crazy as it sounds, it almost just fit in. Like, I mean, not even like, I mean, just the past couple years. Um, 
last year alone, though, was I think last March, um, my wife's stepdad killed himself. And oh, that no. pretty much just started the, the chain of events that would take place. Um, and then, you know, my wife got fired and it, it, it just, not just fired, she got charged with a felony because they're, you know, accusing her of taking a ton of money that most days, I will not lie, I wish we had. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, you know, it's almost like, well, we're going through everything anyway. I wish you would have taken it, but, you know, that's not who we are. So I would rather struggle. So, um, I don't it just, it fit in. But, oh, my wife has been telling me things that happened last year. Um, then also, I also, uh, someone rear-ended me when I was delivering food. Someone rear-ended me and totaled my car. And I had to get a new car. And we had two payments left on our car. So that was heartbreaking. Not a fire Um, But I depend on my car. So that's the expense I drive for ride share and food delivery. So that's an expense that we had to do. But... But yeah, it I mean it fit in. It's not something I ever saw happening. Um, it but it fit in with the year and I remember at midnight for New Year, I literally having no idea what this year would have in hold. I literally just started crying because I was just like this year is finally over. And as crazy as this year has been, it's still been better than last year for us. Well that's you have to understand that you might be the only people on earth out there saying <laughs> 2020 is an yeah. improvement. I, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's so crazy to say that. But yeah, you're right. I, we probably are the only one. Because <laughs> there is, I mean, you are aware that the, it's no exaggeration to say that the global conversation of 2020 is, it's almost universally agreed upon as the worst year of most people's lives. And you're saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no, actually for us, 2020, the clouds were parting and the sunshine's starting to come through. We're only yeah, dealing with yeah. a global pandemic, uh, massive social unrest, and an election where, as you and I talk, we may be in the middle of a legitimate coup. That's it? Oh, great. Nice. Yeah, yeah. S- sign me up for that. <laughs> and it, I mean, I'm very like uh, active in like, activism and stuff, so, which drives my wife insane. I'm huge into politics. So even with the politics this year, it, it is still not that it's been a great year. It, there's still clouds up there. They're just starting to part a little, fortunately. Well, I'm, I am glad to hear they're parting. And again, hearing that you're you're getting into a stable living situation, hearing that your wife's working again, these are all things. Even even only having spoken to you for 13 minutes, they make me very happy. And. Uh, I'm I'm very happy to hear that there's an end in sight to this stretch. Yes. Now. So. Uh. Uh-huh. Well, I don't. What were you gonna say? I I honestly don't even remember now. <laughs> well, there's a few things. There's a few things that I have to ask. Is uh. You know, like you said, you've 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 outlined a life that has not been easy. You said there was abuse. You said that you lived in an area where you felt like uh, your lifestyle was viewed as wrong, that you had to leave 
I would imagine on on some level for, um, you know, like emotional safety, but also safety, safety. That's why people leave, mm-hmm. you know, leave their hometowns. And then you wind up homeless. And the thing that breaks my heart about that is because I feel like that is not uncommon to hear that abuse victims wind up with later life adversity that people from persecuted groups or marginalized groups wind up with adversity. And uh, I'm wondering if you feel like they relate in any way, or if you feel like it's just been a series of hard knocks. And I don't want to lead it either way. I just wonder what you think. Um, I kind of feel like a little of both. Um, I, I, I know that emotionally I'm not where I should be. Um, you know, the abuse growing up and I mean, that's a whole, a whole section in itself of me, you know, um, I'm also feel like I had the worst luck of anyone in the world. My wife, when we first met and we met online, so we spent a while just chatting and then just talking on the phone and getting to really know each other before actually meeting. And she used to joke on me that I used to say, I have the worst luck of anyone you'll meet. And then after we got serious a few months in, she was like, no, you really do have terrible luck. Like, I've never met anyone with such bad luck. So I, I feel like a little of both. Um, I probably make terrible decisions, you know, based off of past things in my life. Um, I also was diagnosed with bipolar when I turned 30. I'm 35 now, so that's been, you know, a up until 30, I know I made a lot of terrible decisions. I was undiagnosed, unmedicated. I can look back now at many situations and go, oh yeah, I was manic there. I understand why I did what I did there now. And unfortunately, my parents didn't take mental health serious at all. So none of that was looked into as a kid. And I feel like that held me back a lot. So, uh, I don't, it's sad hearing that, hearing that some of it seems like luck, some of it seems like bad decisions, some of it seems like not having mental health support, some of it, this is a lot, you've been handed a lot, I want you to be happy, I want this next year, I want you to get into this new living situation and just be happy for a while, and chill for a while. That's my plan, that is my plan. On the, well, on the plus side, so last December, um, I made the crazy decision with everything happening in our lives. We made the crazy decision for me to quit my job and fully rely on gig work. I was miserable at my job. I was so depressed. My coworkers were terrible. They would pick on me. They told my boss I stunk one day. <laughs> I just went home and didn't come back to work for like a week. I was so humiliated. You said you said you were humiliated by what? My coworkers, they told my boss that I smelled bad one day although one of my like only friends that I worked with she was like you smell fine I smell lotion on you like what are they talking about um but I was humiliated so I didn't go back to work for a week and then you know we decided for me to quit that job and just do gig work and um and actually it, no it wasn't it was after you got fired but sorry my wife's like that's when I got fired but um <laughs> No, it's 
and that has actually helped me so much though, like doing gig work and not having to go to a job. And, and I know that sounds crazy, but being on my own every day, being my own boss, if I have a bad day, a bad mental day, I don't have to force myself to go, you know, I just make money when I need. And that's actually been the best thing for us living in this situation. Because the first few months, we were literally paying daily. We weren't even doing weekly like we are now. Our, a place over our head fully depended on if I made the money for the room that day. So gig work has been the best thing ever happened to me, though. <laughs> well, besides my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that, especially being in an enclosed um vehicle yes. with your wife <laughs> at the moment. I'm glad you're happier. I, I do. I will say, man, it does. I do just want to go on record and say, I think gig work, like hearing that it provides you freedom, hearing that it provides you uh, working conditions where you don't feel judged, where you feel like you're able to take care of yourself. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It does. It does also bring up this fact. I think the fact that like the fact that people have been voting down, uh, rideshare drivers' ability to unionize is horrible. The fact that so many people were termed essential workers to deliver DoorDash, and really what that means is you just go put yourself in harm's way. And to hear you say, there's one thing you said that jumps out, and I just want to say it, it does it does get me angry. For you to say, you guys having a roof over your head dependent on how much you were able to make in the gig economy on any given day is there's just something that I really need to underline there for anyone listening, which is the idea that someone who is, has fallen into hard times is living in a hotel needs to scramble. Cause I, I have to imagine there's just becoming a bigger and bigger disparity where there is, there are the working poor doing gig economy jobs giving rides to dropping food off at the homes of people who don't have those financial concerns and that gap's only growing. And anyone who says that that's not real is just a cold hearted person. I just want to, I just want to have that on record for as much as I love the gig economy and the freedom and the self-determination it provides. There is that issue. There is that issue. And and you know, I have to tell you, I mean, we would, the plus side of, of like food delivery that my wife can go with me and that we still do that. I mean, I mainly do rideshare now, but we we go out together and we'll do food delivery. But back back then, um, it was we had a lot of stuff in our car, so I couldn't do rideshare. It was solely food delivery at that time. And my wife and I would go out and we would see these houses and these families and these normal normal living, you know, and it would it would truly get kind of sad to us because it would start to feel like why can't we have that? You know, look at these people living this normal life in this house and we're about to go back to a hotel room. And it, it got, I feel like you would think it would help you, but it really only made it worse for us sometimes. Sometimes I would have to remind my wife though, like we're not going to be here forever. That's going to be us, that normal house. We're going to be ordering DoorDash to our house one day. What a quietly delivered thought that, that kind of hits me to my core. We're going to get food delivered to us one day. That's going to be us one day. Some might say that capitalism is a little bit unchecked 
right now. A little bit out of control. That being said, we got ads. Capitalism. We'll be right back. Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Thanks to all the advertisers who helped bring this show to the world. Now let's get back to the phone call. Sometimes I would have to remind my wife, though, like, we're not going to be here forever. That's going to be a that normal house. We're going to be ordering DoorDash to our house one day. And that optimism is literally, I think, what kept us because there were many times that my wife She's not in the car no more. I'm sorry to talk about freely, but um, <laughs> not that she's not going to listen to this because I've got her addicted to this show too. But um, she uh, I, she has a harder time being optimistic. She is a, this is what's in front of me, so this is what's happening person. I am a, no, we can always make it better somehow because for me, I've been through shit. I mean, I don't know a better word, so sorry, Sally, but... Um, we, I've just been through so much in my life that if I don't look forward and say, I know that I can be in a better situation at some point, um, I, I don't think I could make it. I, I've battled my demons with my mental illness. Uh, I've been hospitalized many times. I've been suicidal many, many times. Um, a couple of years ago, I lost my uncle to suicide, and then three months later, my best friend committed suicide, and then a year later, her stepdad committed suicide, and, you know, seeing the, the pain that it just left everyone with made me realize, like, I have to be optimistic in life, or else I'm going to leave others in the same. So, that's where we are. That's real shit right there yeah <laughs> to find optimism in the face of all that and to find optimism where you feel like you just keep you know you started out feeling marginalized and you're in a situation that i would imagine feels tough to keep your head above water and then you're surrounded by a lot of pain and yet you still find ways to stay optimistic that's pretty remarkable I'm not going to say that when I'm alone sometimes, you know, the optimism starts to fade and I start to worry that things aren't going to work out. Like I said earlier, things are going so good right now that I'm just, I mean, every day I'm just like, what, what's going to happen? I start thinking, you know, like, is this all a joke? You know, is, was it a scam to get our, our deposit money? Like, you know, even though, even though I signed a lease already, um, the lady who currently lives in the house that we're moving into, she's moving out and we're moving in the next day, but I've been in contact with her. She's going to sell us some furniture because we don't have any. We have a bed and a dresser and just belongings, but no furniture. Um, so even though everything is so obvious that it's, it's real, I still every day tell myself, like, is this fake? Is this not realistic? Is something going to happen? But to my wife, every day, 
is we have 11 days, you know, I can't wait. How should we do the living room? What color should we do our kitchen? Like every day is optimism. Sometimes that's what you got to get through. Now, I lived in a big city for many, many years, one of the biggest in the world. Even people who don't, you see in movies, in pop culture, the homeless people you tend to see are, you know, the 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 unhinged guy yelling on the train, asking for money, or the person, you know, sitting up against a wall with the cardboard sign. And those are the people, you do see those people around New York City. Um, and, you know, those are the people who I think when, when the unhoused are represented in, uh, like I said, in movies and whatnot, that's, that's what you see. But everything I've read, and I'm, I'm no expert, but the, the vast majority of people in an unhoused situation are not that. And I'm wondering if you might speak to the reality of what's really going on out there in that community. Because I have to also imagine this hotel, you're not the only people in in this type no. of situation. So you're, what is not it? Not at all. What is really going on? How do people really wind up this way? And what's the, what's the reality of the day-to-day life? I mean, it, I, I think we're lucky because we had, you know, I had the gig work to fall onto and we had a car so that I could fall onto the gig work or else. Well, I mean, I guess we're LTV living with family, which I just could not mentally handle, unfortunately. Um, but it, I don't know. You know, it, it seems as if once you get down, it, it is almost impossible to get up. Um, it took me months just to find someone even willing to rent to us. And I would email people that I would see listings online and I would say, you know, Here's my situation. This is what you're going to see up front before you even run our information. However, I have to offer you a double deposit and first month's rent or, you know, first and last. Basically, I can give you three times one month's rent up front to move in if you're willing to work with us. And most people just would not reply. Um, or most people would say, sorry, that's not something I can work with. And I think that is the biggest thing. When people get down no one wants to help and it's impossible to get back up. We had a rough year and things happen. I mean, it can happen to anyone. We were living our life good. I mean, not good. We still had problems, but financially it wasn't to the point of, am I going to be sleeping in my car tomorrow? You know, it was at least my rent is paid if nothing else. And just, I mean, like I said, just getting someone to ha- give that chance. You know, we lived in the apartment we lived in for, my wife was there for like six years before me, was never late on rent. I moved in, we still, we were good. It was just that year. So people don't look at all the years before, they look at just that year and say, you're a bad tenant, I'm not willing to rent to you, I'm sorry. And then you end up having to stay in a homeless situation and that it's sad it's really sad um, we make too much to get like public assistance 
so I couldn't do like HUD or anything. Um, and it's just, it's bad. And when you say like a landlord's going to find, here's what you're going to find out is that here's the, our, here's why our credit report is the way it is, or you're going to find out that we bounced a check to our old landlord because we were, the finances were like such a tightrope and we messed up. Or is it also, if you Google our names, you might see my wife's name come up in terms of this unresolved case that's happening or some combination thereof. Like, cause I have to imagine, right? Um, kind of a combination. Yeah, yeah. The credit huge. Definitely. This is why our credit is terrible. Um, we live in a state that is definitely landlord friendly. Um, in this particular state, um, I was actually listening to another podcast recently, and this is actually rated one of the worst of the country for tenant rights. Um, they, once you're late, so say like our rent was due on the first, late by the fifth, on the sixth, they could give us a notice of five days, um, pay or quit. After that five days, they could literally go ahead and start the eviction process where it's like, dang, like, I get paid in three days if you had just waited. And we would try to talk to them. Um, after her stepdad killed himself, literally, we went to the office and said, this is what's going on. We were supposed to make money this weekend to pay rent, and now we can't. And they were like, sorry, either you have the rent or we start the eviction process. Um, and, it, I mean, it's just because they could start it the process immediately, Every when you pull up, fortunately, I was not on the lead, so even though that wasn't allowed, but whatever. Um, when you pull up my wife's name, though, for her tenant information, I mean, every month there was a eviction put into the court. Now, every month it was then rectified and paid. Up until December, it had just got too much, and we couldn't we couldn't do it anymore. But or well, November technically because we left at the beginning of December, but um. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a huge thing, like, tenant rights. It's not really something people think about. I never thought about it until we got in this situation. And I realized, like, whoa, I've been really late before in Florida. And, you know, it took a while before anything started. But up here, they're like, mm, sorry, you were, it was, like, due five, ten days ago. You're evicted. And it's so once a- you get down... It's impossible to get up. It it's not impossible. It's, it sounds extraordinarily difficult. And and I was just going to say, it also yeah. sounds like, to me, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like part of why it's so hard to get up is because it puts you in a situation where all the money you're making goes towards staying afloat. If every yes, dollar... That too. If, if you wind up in this situation where things, you know... Like you said, you miss a month or two, you you have somebody gets fired, uh there's a you know, there's a funeral you have to attend, so you can't go out and do deliveries for two or three days that week. It sounds to me like well now you're in a situation where every dollar you make goes towards trying to keep the roof over your head. And that inherently means you're not able to put away fifty, seventy five, a hundred bucks a week and build back any sort of breathing room. Cause now you're caught in this cycle where it's like a hamster wheel. And I yes. bet, 
I bet that yeah. happens to a lot of people. I I remember in New York. Absolutely. I remember when I lived in New York, you'd see, you know, like I said, you see these people who have mental illness or or drug problems. And those are the people you see and you go, oh my God, the homeless. But then you, you know, you'd walk near, I remember near Penn Station, there was a church that was uh, very dedicated towards caring for the unhoused community. And you'd see, you'd see like a line of people out there on a night or a weekend day. And what you'd see is a lot of people who were well-dressed, who you'd never know their situation, mm-hmm. kind of standing quietly on a block, respectfully, nobody causing problems, clearly people who just needed a bite to eat and needed that mm-hmm. help, needed to bring home a couple of boxed meals to their family, who weren't at all the, uh, you know, what I have to imagine is the small percentage of people that a lot of us have as the vision in our mind of the of the quote unquote crazy homeless guy. A lot of it's just people right. who go, I got a family and we're sleeping in a car and it sucks. Can I have a sandwich? Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly I mean, people when people would find out that we were in a hotel, they would be super surprised. I mean we don't look the part. I mean it's you know we're not the stereotypical homeless person. Um, but I, I mean, we do have those in the city that I'm at. Um, you know, we have, I see, I see those people out there and that like, it would break my heart because I'm like, man, at least I'm able to have a hotel, you know? It, and that was my optimism. It, I may be homeless technically living in a hotel, but thankfully, thankfully I am, I have a hotel. Thankfully, I'm able to afford it. When I was paying daily for a rent um, or for a room, that was that was the most stressful. I would wake up having panic attacks because thinking, what if I don't make the, the money today? Um, it it was so hard because that was our life. Like if I got sick, that was it. Um, we you know, we would not have a place to live. Um, when COVID hit and we went back to the hotel. That was a thing too that we had to think about. If one of us got COVID, we were done. We would not be able to afford to live. And because obviously if one of us got both got COVID, we'd both have to quarantine and that would that would just be it for us. So oh when I see people not wearing a mask, it irritates me for many reasons because I'm like, you have no idea how someone getting COVID, even if they live, can affect their life. But on the other hand, I've also lost a loved one, you know, a man that I considered my stepfather for many years to COVID. So I'm like, put a mask on and fucking an idiot. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Think about other people. Even if you're sitting here going, I think this is a hoax. Even then I'm going, so what? So then put a piece of cloth over your face when you're in the supermarket. like, And go ahead and think it's a hoax. But let the rest of us relax. Uh, yeah it's just so- i read something one time that said um uh that it said something about if we find out in 30 years that the mask did absolutely nothing and was unnecessary at least i can look back and say i still tried to do my part yeah we still came together we still came together whatever happened to that whatever happened to thousands <laughs> Thousands of people are dying, so let's every, every right. World War Two. It was like everybody gather up your tinfoil and your gum wrappers, and uh, 
they're gonna make they're gonna make ships and it's like yeah. everybody did it grow a victory garden we all did it with this it's like put a piece of cloth over your face for the half hour that you need to be outside it, not even outside the half hour that you need to patronize a business or be in a crowded place nope mm-hmm. nope nope mm-hmm. why not why not this has been the craziest four years oh coming from gosh. the country coming from you know conservative background is all i see on facebook at one point um i literally had to delete facebook off my phone and stay off for a few months because it was mentally getting to me i've had to delete family members um i they would just it got to the point where i've had family that would only comment or like myself if they were being mean and i posted something uh one time when uh, it came out that trump was behind uh, like standing for um you know allowing catholic churches to not let gay people adopt i posted something and i was like look you know if you agree with this man on this on this i don't want you in my life just straight that's how it is and a few people commented from my family telling me that they agreed with it and i just i was done i deleted them from facebook I don't get it. I'm like, you're literally standing against me. You're you're literally telling me that you care for me because I'm your family, but then you're okay with this. That's not okay. I'll never understand it. It, it, Years from now, when people study this year, I'll never, I'll never, I hope somebody can get to the psychology of like, hey, everybody, so we just got to wear masks. And then some people go, no. And you go, why? And they go, because I don't like it. And then they go, well... (laughs) Then I don't know what to tell you. And they go, here's what I want. Reopen my gym. And you're like, well, then wear a mask. And they're like, "Uh uh-uh. And you're like, why? And they're like, because freedom. And it's like, well, we could probably reopen the gym if you would just wear a mask. No, do both the way I want it. It's like, it just sounds like that in my head of just a little tantrum-y kid. But they're not tantrum-y kids. They're grown-ups. It's wild. (sighs) Political, no. oh, it's been, this has been the craziest year politically. Oh, I pray that I never see and, a worse year than this. Oh, I know, I know. And I'm so into politics, and my wife isn't. So this is a daily. She'll be like, she'll let me like rant for a good three or four minutes, and then she'll be like, I don't really care. Yeah, you're probably, <laughs> like, it's she's probably like, you, she's like, you've got to find a political friend. It's probably for the best. Now I want to. You know what? And it probably is. <laughs> yeah, I have somebody who says that we have to talk about something else a little bit. I yeah. I, I could use that. Um, well, let me ask you. So you move into your new place in a few weeks. You found a landlord who's willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. Uh, your wife has a okay. new job. You have your car. Allows you to participate in the gig economy. Do you? When do you get out of the loop of going? I have to make like. Because I would imagine it sounds to me like you're describing days where you go, well, if I make 60 bucks today, we can stay in the hotel room. And if I make 70, we can set aside some money for groceries at the end of the week. That's hand to mouth living in a very real way. Do you have a plan moving forward? Okay, we have an apartment. We have a job. Are there concrete steps where you're going, and here's the actions we're going to take? to keep building a safety net, keep finding breathing room, make sure this doesn't happen again? Or is it just figure it out? Absolutely. No, well, 
a, a mixture of both. <laughs> um, we are, we have, a, we have an idea of a plan, um, but we're always, if nothing else, this last year has taught us, or last year taught us, you know, plans change a lot. And that is an example of truer words have never been spoken. Plans change a lot. So thank God for what you got, everybody. Be right back. Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Okay, no more breaks, everybody. Let's finish off the phone call. If nothing else, this last year has taught us, or last year taught us, you know, plans change a lot. Um, so we have a plan to, you know, my idea is a percentage of our days, my daily make will go to the savings set aside so that in the future if something happens, we're going to have that. Um, also, you know, I'm trying to think of things like she gets paid bi-weekly because her checks are a little bigger. She she can take the bigger bills, the car payment and the rent. I can work and make, you know, $100 a day to pay the water bill or the light bill um, or the internet bill, you know, so I get the little bills. Um, that's another thing too, you know, before we were just kind of doing the stereotypical marriage thing, meshing our money together. And not that our money's not together. What's hers is mine, what's mine is hers financially. But when you put the responsibility of just a couple bills on one person and a couple on the other, it seems to take some of the stress away. So that's our plan. Hopefully that works out. So um, we have to pay, pay my mom back, but... Um, because she's also trying to buy a house. So she was just like, I'm going to give you guys this, but I am trying to buy a house, so you can pay me back, that'd be great. Um, but that's going to be our first goal, getting my mom paid back. But, yeah. So, and it sounds I, like that first step know. is stay really organized. You're bringing in money, I'm bringing in money. We're going to try to divide it up this way. We're going to try to stick to this game plan and uh -huh. uh, see if it works adjust as necessary. Yeah. And, and you know, I can always go back to work too. And also finally getting into a house, living in the hotel, our only internet access is their Wi-Fi. And most, um, I come from a call center background. So most call centers have, not most, a lot of call centers have switched to work from home, but I wasn't eligible because I couldn't plug my computer directly into the modem or whatever. It had to be Wi-Fi. And most work-from-home jobs are like, no, no Wi-Fi, thanks. So that's also something, um, you know, if it gets to a point where it's like gig work just isn't working, I'm finally am going to have an option to fall back on. So that's a plus. <laughs> right. 
Right. When you get the internet up and running in your house, you can find more ways to hustle through online gigs. I like that. And if you, do you sit, do you, are you and your wife at the point yet where you can go, okay, so we're back in an apartment. That's step one. A year from now, here's what we're hoping we accomplish. Five years from now, here's what we hope we have in place. Or is it, is that just too far away to think about? It hasn't even crossed my mind to think that far in advance. Um, like I said, I mean, every day I'm just waiting for everything to crumble. So it, it seems for us, we we kind of got to this point where we're like, we're going to stop making plans that far in advance because everything falls apart. Now, I think once we get in and it hits us that this is real, this is happening, we no longer live in a hotel where anyone can just walk into, not just anyone, anyone from the office and walk into a room at any time. We have privacy. This is ours. And I think that's when we're going to sit and talk about what is, you know, what does the future hold and where do we see ourselves a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. Um, my wife is stuck on wanting the stereotypical American dream. I'm okay not having it and just living. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. It's not something we've talked about, but it's definitely something we will. It's really eye-opening. And then you see people who go, you see people who go, well, people should stop complaining and just work harder. (laughs) And you go, well, (laughs) I'm sure there's some people who that applies to, but I would have to, you know, one thing I... One thing I just come to realize more and more, the older I get, is that you can put humans in situations where they're not in an ideal living circumstance or where they're scrapping by to put food on the table. But if you allow people a chance at dignity, it can really keep them going. And when you, when you, I, I would have to imagine, and look at, let me say this too. I've worked really hard in my life, but, and I'm, I'm financially, I've been very lucky. Um, but this sentiment of, if you just work harder, stop complaining, you'll get out of it. It's like, I, ha- I have to be, I'm pretty certain that there are a lot of people who don't have homes who work 10 times harder than people who do. But it's quick well, sure. but I, it's quicksand. I've never worked harder in my life. Um, we literally work seven days a week because on her days off, we go out and do food delivery. Now, food delivery, when we do food delivery, it's not as many hours. It may only be a few hours. Um, sometimes we go out and do food delivery just so we have enough to grab something to eat. Um, but, you know, we are still, we work every single day and to the point where it's like putting laundry off forever because you know we gotta go work we can't do laundry right now like we gotta in the beginning of all this um saying you know i had to work seven days a week to make sure we had the money for the room um and then we were pretty much just eating ramen noodles all the time so food wasn't even an option um yeah, it's it's I I hate that mentality. I also like I I'm and I'm seeing it a lot. Uh, Florida just passed raising minimum wage, and I'm seeing 
so many of my Florida people like complaining about it. Do you know what this is going to do? And I'm like, do you know the people that are complaining? I'm like, do you know what it's like to make seven fifty an hour? Because I do. And it's hard. And yes, I'm a grown adult who's had to make minimum wage before and it's unlivable. But the people that are complaining about raising minimum wage and they're like, they're living in nice houses and not suffering and they don't worry where their meal's coming from tomorrow or, you know, it's like, come on guys, like, stop just, you have to think outside. Don't think of it just affects you or not. These are things that affect everybody. Yeah, I mean, hearing you say that on your wife's day off, sometimes you would go do deliveries for four or five hours so that you guys could eat something besides ramen noodles that night. I just have no patience or time for people who cannot admit that systemically there's some things wrong. And it, and, and it, it just always goes back to my mind of going, and yet there is a man who in the midst of the pandemic made $13 billion in one day. That's, if you can look at that and and say that that's anything except insanity, then I, I don't know, I don't know how your brain works. I know, it's, it's insane. It's like this whole tax thing with, I mean, granted, I'm not going to lie, I haven't actually physically sat down and read Biden's tax plan, but I'm seeing all these people who make, not a lot, you know, they, they're not in my situation, but you know, they're definitely not rich. And they're just like, uh, you know, pro Trump because Biden's going to tax people. And I'm just like, good. What? Good. Like, good. Like you realize that like, there's a company that you go to every single day on your phone and buy something from who is literally rolling. I mean, who's like, what, what's the, the ducks that used to dive into the money? duckling duck or whatever like that's this guy and he's the one that's going to get taxed you're not okay with that because I am as a person struggling wondering how I'm going to eat and am I going to have a roof over my head tomorrow I I am okay with him being taxed so why did you know uh, I don't know I don't know yeah I mean the fact that I just did a Cursory Google search, corporations that don't pay taxes. So, I mean, Amazon, Delta Airlines, Chevron, General Motors. Hold on. All Hold these on. people. So Amazon doesn't pay taxes? That's what I'm seeing. That is no. the company that I was talking about. Of course. <laughs> Jeff, I'm, that's the guy I'm talking about, the owner of Amazon, Jeff Bezos. His, yes. He made mm-hmm. $13 billion in a day this year. You can pay some taxes on that. It's not going to matter. You can still own 19 different mansions in 19 different countries with 19 different in-ground pools. You're not even going to notice. If you pay your taxes on $13 billion, you're not even, you have so much money, you won't even notice that the taxes are gone. And what's crazy to me is my man Bernie gets so much crap because he owns a nice house and everyone's like, Oh, look at Bernie, like, spending money on nice mansions. And I'm like, look at Jeff Bezos. Like, what is this? Bernie's trying to help us. Like, look at this man. He can afford to give every single one of his employees a nice, nice bonus. Is he? 
Most likely not. I don't know. I don't work for Amazon. I did do Amazon Flex for a while, delivering Amazon packages, but that wasn't for me. So I hear that. I hear they rise into the ground on that one. Oh man, you get a heavy package from a third floor apartment? Nah, I'm a big girl. That's not. That's not for me. <laughs> it's uh, maybe there's people out there who who go. I run a small business, and here's how the taxes and regulations crush my life, and I need to consider that more, but. I just feel like there's so many, like it feels like the richest people manage to pay the least taxes. And I don't understand why you wouldn't find civic pride or patriotism in paying your taxes if taxes went towards situations where people didn't have to work all day to have a place to sleep at night. There should be pride in being a society and a community you should be proud to pay your taxes to go now. Now that person has something to eat. That's not ramen noodles. Cause I paid my taxes. That should be a point of pride. Right. So crazy story. Um, actually funny. I just listened to the episode with a conservative lady who turned atheist and liberal. My wife actually called me. She was listening to the episode at work and she called me. She was like, Go to this episode right now because this is you. And I, I say that because I just started the, the elections here. So I'm seeing some of my, I actually, crazy enough, used to consider myself conservative. Um, I am seeing old posts of mine and they disgust me, like on Facebook memory. And I'm just like, oh, I can't believe I did not vote Obama. During the Obama era, I was not, not Democratic at all. Um, and I was just like, I can't believe this. I hate that I have to pay taxes so poor people can sit at home and do nothing. And now I'm like, first off, it didn't take becoming homeless to change my mind on that. Um, but now that I am in this situation, I'm just like, God, oops, can we bleep that? I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll bleep it. This is the second time you said it, but we already <laughs> marked it down. We already marked it down. I'm sorry. Right <laughs> at the like, six minute mark. Six minute mark. I'm like, what was wrong with you? Like, can't believe you like uh, you know thought this way. You thought like these people are just taking advantage. And I'm not saying that there aren't people who take advantage. I do personally know some people who took advantage of the system, but I think overall that's not the case. And it's it's a shame that people feel that way. It's a shame that I used to feel that way. And it was just that was just a product of my upbringing, unfortunately. Because once I moved to a liberal city. All of that changed for me. Things just started coming to life for me. Like, whoa, I can't believe this is how it really works. Yeah. And you know, when you say like there are people out there who milk the system, here's one thing that jumps into my head. And maybe some some listeners get mad at me about this. But you hear people talk about the police and they'll say, oh, it's just a few bad apples. It's not systemic. And then you hear about people who milk the welfare system. And I feel like a lot of people go, see, that's proof that this system doesn't work and and the whole welfare system sucks. It's like, well, if we're playing by the bad apples rule, what about the 99% right. of people who aren't doing that? Because we can find exactly. out of cases of people who are doing that. We get to throw out, we get to selectively jettison certain systems and then other ones it's bad apples and i'll tell you what i don't 
I think, I mean, I've said it on the show. I've seen personal examples where cops have been terrifying. I understand that I'm a white guy. So if I'm seeing it, it's even worse for other people. That being said, I recently heard a noise in my attic and a local cop came to see if it was a squirrel or a raccoon or a mouse or what was it. (laughs) I don't hate that guy. I don't hate that guy. So I understand that a lot of people know cops who are good, but I do think there's something said for the same rules have to apply to all these systems, right? And if there's a few bad apples and we just have to deal with that in one system, then when you look at the welfare state, you got to go, well, there's a few bad apples there. We can't let that ruin the whole thing. We can't, we can't be selective. And that goes for all of us. You know, that goes for all of us. Absolutely. I've seen, I've, I've seen people take advantage of the system, but I've also seen people use the system for exactly what it was, you know, a hand up, um, you know, to get where they needed to be and then get off, you know, and, that that's amazing. Like, you know, that I feel like that's what it's there for. Um, but I, I've definitely seen both ends of it, but I now in life feel like the bigger majority of the people who need it, who desperately need it and wouldn't survive otherwise. Unfortunately, I mean, do we just let children starve? and not have a roof over their head just because this small group of people took advantage. Yeah, it's really... Because if you take a step back and you think about it for 10 seconds, I doubt there are many people who the first day they sign up for food stamps or the first day they get in line at a soup kitchen are standing there going, nice, now I get to get to work milking this. I bet for most people, that's that's one of the hardest days of their lives. I have, um, when COVID first hit, I did go to the food bank and it was just drive-through. Um, and it was, it was right on Main Street, you know, and uh, my car is uh, definitely, it's red, so it stands out. Um, and I was just like, uh, oh God, like, you know, people are going to see me up here. People are going to know what I'm doing here. Um, when I pulled up to the lady, she asked me how many people in my home. I immediately just felt this moment of embarrassment. And I realized, like, why? Why? Like, I need this. But why do I feel like these people are judging me? They're not. They are here to help me. But, you know, and it, so it's not a pleasant experience when you go through that at all. But, However, once we switched from paying daily to paying weekly, that did financially help us a little so that food no longer became an issue. And but that's when I quit I quit going to the you know, the food bank to get food because I'm like, Hey, they're probably running short. I can now afford a little more than ramen noodles. I'd rather someone who can't get that food. Um, mm-hmm. I do feel like I wish more people were like that, but still, I would rather it be there the people who do need it and just have some people take advantage if that's what it means so i feel like it's a small price to pay now we've got 30 seconds left this has been eye-opening you haven't had it easy my heart goes out to you i hope everything goes great for you and your wife moving forward i got one last question to ask i'd be remiss if i didn't get to it when you're doing doordash and you pull up to some mansion (laughs) and that person doesn't tip 
Does that make you want to personally start the class warfare revolution? Yes, yes. Tip your DoorDash drivers, guys. Tip your Uber Eats, tip your Lyft drivers, your Uber drivers. Tip. They are giving you a service. Please tip. <laughs> Yeah, let's especially during COVID. These people who got to go house to yes. house, we're gonna have to have fifteen people going yes. in out of their car every day. It's out of necessity. Let's do it. Let's let's bump up to a twenty five percent tip on those, please. Yes. Please, good work pays us very little. We depend on tips, guys. Please tip. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sending you so much love. I hope the move goes great. I hope that the planning goes great. I hope that you're able to catch some momentum get a little breathing room, get a little financial freedom, and that everything is sorted out with the credit and with your wife's case and with all this stuff. I hope that a year from now, five years from now, we talk again and and you can tell me that things are so much more stable. That's my hope. That's the plan. <laughs> good, good, good. Thank you. Thank you. Caller, thank you so much for calling and trusting me with your story and really offering a look at what it's like to fall on hard times. Uh, I think there are many people who are probably right after your call right now going, I did not consider that that's what that could be. And uh, I think you uh, probably did a lot of good opening up. Thank you to Anita Flores, Jared O'Connell, Jordan Allen, Shell Shad. Want to know more about me? ChrisGeth.com. If you're on Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe and follow on Spotify. Hit favorite on Stitcher. Really, really helps when you do. You can check out our entire back catalog ad-free at Stitcher Premium. StitcherPremium.com slash stories. You also get the beautiful follow-ups over there. All right, everybody. Have a great day.